The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Well, JC, the Western Conference Finals, baby. The Lakers are on their way. And, of course, we still don't know, a little bit surprisingly, but we still don't know who their ultimate opponent is going to be, whether it will be the Los Angeles Clippers, as so many anticipated, or it will be the somewhat surprising Denver Nuggets. But ultimately, JC, it doesn't matter because the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals, baby. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast with Ethan and JC. JC, I know you have to be ecstatic about what you watched with your eyes last night. Super excited. Couldn't be prouder of the way the, the Lakers play all 48 minutes defensive effort up and down I mean one of the best Lakers games and, and granted I realize the Rockets did not exactly play well in this game okay but one of the best Lakers games I have watched in a long time I mean franchise record 19 made three-pointers this this Lakers team up and down last night it, it was like nothing could go wrong at a certain point am I right or what yeah absolutely everything seemed to be going right um yeah, I couldn't believe they were that hot from three. I mean, it's incredible. You look at Danny Green and KCP. When Danny Green is plus 35 and hitting threes, and KCP is plus 32 and sinking threes, and they both play 25-plus minutes, you know it's going to be a good night from the supporting cast. Markeith Morris was also on fire. And a quiet, at least by his standards, night for Anthony Davis. Only took nine shots in this game. But really, LeBron led the way. The Lakers played, like you said, up and down, just uh, in a different gear, it seemed like. And although the Rockets made a little bit of a push to try to get back in this game, by the time the third quarter rolled around, J.C., the Rockets were basically, they, they seemed to be one, two, three Cancun, is what I'll say. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I even had a, a I, nice chase down block from Caruso on James Harden. That was, uh, that was a highlight of the night, probably. Oh, it was one of my favorite plays of the, of the playoffs, or I should say of all basketball in the bubble so far. I mean, what what a, what a phenomenal effort from Caruso. And that was, you know, and that was at a time when the Lakers had a, a fairly comfortable margin there. And so I think when you look up and down at this Lakers team now, you, you're they're exactly where you expected them to be, right? You, you expected the Lakers to be in the Western Conference Finals at minimum, if not outright in the finals. And we'll get to the discussion about whether it's going to be Denver or Los Angeles but I think with the Lakers, no matter what, you have to be encouraged by a couple of things. One is, obviously, they played a really good brand of basketball in their last couple of games and really in the last four games after losing game one to Houston. But two, they seem to be really clicking on all cylinders. And, and early in the bubble and, and really even uh, in the series against Portland to an extent, execution was a continued issue that we, we talked about, everybody was talking about recently. And I know it seems like 
one of our uh, listeners actually pointed out on Twitter last night, so it seems like a lifetime ago that people were talking about the Lakers are in trouble in the bubble type of tweets. But even in the first round, JC, the execution wasn't there from, you know, kind of what we had expected. I feel like the Lakers are, are back on this roll, and this is the type of basketball that they were playing before the season got paused back in March. They were playing their best their best band of basketball at that time. Yeah, you're seeing defense create the offense. They are they're not starting out looking for threes. They're kind of letting the threes come naturally as a part of the offense that's created by their defense. They seem to sort of be a team that kind of ramps up as the series going on. Like one one point of concern might be seeing as how they've lost both game ones of both rounds is that there's a pretty good amount of rest before each game one. And you're going to have that again because this Denver Clipper series is going to go seven games. So you could be in a situation where the Lakers will are going to sit maybe close to a week before. And so rust could be an issue, especially as hot as they're shooting. But they've proven in both rounds that maybe they, they might start off slow, but they will they can ramp up. Oh, there's no question about it. And at one point, LeBron last night gave a sort of patented mean mug look. Okay, I'm ready. Here we go type of stuff. And, you know, when you when you look ahead, obviously, and we'll, we'll get there in just a couple minutes, but I do want to spend some time sort of breaking down the second round and, and all of the fallout from it. When you, when you do start looking ahead, though, I think the Lakers are going to be prepared for either, whether it's Denver or, or the Clippers. And to bring it back to this series, JC, I mean, obviously with the news today that we got that Mike D'Antoni basically said what I think we all expected him to, which was, hey, it's been great here, but uh, I recognize the ceiling of this team. Uh, I'm in my mid-60s. I- I'm in demand now on the coaching market, and uh, y'all can figure it out without me. And I think the Rockets are in a really interesting place now going forward because they really can't do much to alter the structure of their team. They're, they're committed to this small ball group, and they just lost the coach who you know, was best suited, arguably, at least in my opinion, to, to run the group. At one point last night, we were watching the game, my best friend and I, and he sat there and he said, look, I think the, the, the Rockets are what we, what, they, what we thought they were, a team that in the regular season is going to run you up and down and is going to give you some problems. But when you play them in the playoffs in a seven-game set, it's just not quite the same feeling, not quite the same threat. And, and even in a game where last night, JC, you know, James Harden didn't have a bad game. It wasn't like game four where he had just a couple field goals. James Harden was 12 of 20 from the floor last night for 30 points. But the problem is he was minus 29 in his 42 minutes. So, you know, if he's not having the effect of making his teammates better out there, Russell Westbrook was invisible once again with more shots than points scored, 13 shots, 10 points, and a minus 23 for him. And even, you know, the the godfather of this series for the Rockets, P.J. Tucker, was a whopping minus 38, actually the worst out of anybody last night for the Rockets. And that, and again, it just, it, it's sort of, to me, it just feels like they, they were they were so tired. They felt like they were in a hole that they couldn't get out of. They sort of knew that they were beat. I don't want to oversell the importance of Danielle House because, you know, obviously the Rockets missed him once he uh, got himself banished from the bubble. But at the same time, this, this Rockets team, this is how they have to play. They play a very short rotation, and they rely on threes. And although they, they weren't exactly uh, – lighting it up last night from distance 13 or 49 from three-point land so with a team like that i just feel like how do you raise the ceiling of this group sort of regardless of who you bring in to coach because to me jc i think the rockets are where they are and that's all they're going to be yeah uh jeff van gundy kind of touched on that in, in the broadcast where he was giving the rockets credit where credit is due and 
talked about the the Warriors teams that they couldn't get past and and this Lakers team and and things like that and and he was like were they supposed to beat any of those teams? No, I don't think so. I think this is kind of the ceiling for for this Rockets team and yeah, as expensive as as Harden and Westbrook are going to be and those contracts are really hard to move even if you wanted to to blow it up. Like Harden, I guess is movable cuz he he probably is worth the price of admission when it comes to that contract, but I Westbrook at this point is not. I mean, if I'm if I'm the if I'm looking at the Rockets books for next year, JC, this team's got over 130 million dollars committed. They've got no first round pick. They're working with extremely limited assets. You you know they have championship aspirations, especially from the ownership level, if they're going to dole out this sort of money for a team. But I thought Mike D'Antoni had an interesting quote after the game. He said, you know, somebody asked him, they said, do you think small ball can work in the playoffs? And he said, well, why don't you ask the Lakers? They just beat us with it. And I and I want to credit us, because if you remember after J- game one, JC, we sat here and said, hey, how about Markeith Morris in the starting five? So, you know, maybe Frank Vogel's a hoop ball Lakers listener. You never know. <laughs> but, but, at the sa- but at the same time, I, I hear what D'Antoni's saying, but Markeith Morris is, is bigger than Robert Covington. And that's not even counting Anthony Davis. So, yes, they beat them with a version of what could be considered small ball. But I think when you're playing Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker as your two bigs in a seven-game series, especially against a team that has significantly more size, you're going to run into problems even if they wind up adjusting to you, which is what the Lakers wound up doing. Yeah, and there was even so many times where, I mean, good defense would be played by the Rockets on the Lakers. And you've got Anthony Davis there to grab an offensive rebound because – who else is going to grab a rebound for the Rockets? And that and that's one of the things that we saw in the last couple of games of this series is the Lakers really taking better advantage of that rebound disparity. In the closeout game five, Lakers had plus 19 on the boards, 50 rebounds for Lakers, only 31 for the Rockets. And, you know, we saw that especially on their offensive glass. It was a lot of one-and-done sets for the Rockets, whereas it was multiple effort, multiple attempts for the Lakers. And it just felt like after a game one in which we sat here and we talked with each other and we said, man, the Lakers really struggled to get their offense going. Everything was tough. Everything was turnaround. Everything was just so much work to get the ball in the basket. Last night was one of those games where it felt like it was just the easiest thing in the world. I mean, even at one point, Kuzma threw threw up like a turnaround, kind of chucked it up three at the last minute. And it just was nothing but twine. It was, it was really beautiful. And so this, th- these, there were so many things from this closeout game. I mean, this is the version of Danny Green I want to see. This is the version of Contavious Caldwell-Pope that can really help this team. And this is the version of Markeith Morris. And I think regardless of, you know, going forward, I, I assume that the Lakers will return to their typical starting five. But regardless of that, I would like to see more of Markeith Morris because I do think he brings an element to this team that is not really being replicated unless he plays the minutes he's been playing. What's your take on Markeith's role as we move into the Western Conference Finals here? I think he's going to be really important. He's probably going to be matched up a lot with Montrezl Harrell, if I had to guess, and also his brother. And so... Yeah, he's gonna have he's gonna be really impactful. But I mean, one of the things that's also important about the series to note is that, uh, yeah, Anthony Davis and, and and LeBron even not even this to a certain extent. Like there was a game where LeBron only had sixteen points and Anthony Davis only had thirteen tonight. And so every game it was a different combination of guys. We had you had two inst- two great instances of playoff Rondo, and in this game didn't do much. Had a he played twenty minutes, but he only scored think uh yeah i only scored, I only scored th- three, points. three points yeah i was looking i was i thought it was a bigger number than that i was like oh, it can't be that number yeah i only scored three points and so yeah night to night 
it can't be the same three or four guys every night because that's not how you're going to beat the Clippers. You can beat the Clippers by hitting them from all different angles the way they did this Rocket series. And Rondo might have only scored three points out there, but his brother had one of the most valuable contributions (laughs) of the game by being asked to be removed but got inside Westbrook's head at the perfect time. You saw LeBron even just laughing at a certain point, like, man, you you too old for this stuff. You too grown for it. And yeah. I think that's that sort that sort of you know thematic of the Rockets is like I sat there and I watched a press conference from James Harden after the game and you know he looked like somebody who had just been defeated obviously there's disappointment there's dissatisfaction but he's like look these are just opportunities to get better and put the right pieces around Russ and myself and I thought that was you know a very interesting sort of takeaway from him was like no it's not on me it's not on Russ it's on everybody else where I kind of look at him and I say man as the leader of this team even if you know you're not the problem, I feel like publicly you got to sit there and say, hey, I need to do more. We need to do more. Me and Russ, me, whatever whatever it is. But to kind of turn around to a, to a bunch of players that include, you know, Eric Gordon, who, who really cooled off as the series progressed, Covington, Tucker, and then guys like, you know, Jeff Green and Ben McLemore, these reclamation projects basically off the bench and say, you know, we got to get the right piece around us. I don't, I don't think it's, a, it's as simple as that. I think this the Rockets are, are who we thought they were, and, and that's kind of the bottom line, you know? Where, whereas if, if you're a team that's really looking to improve, like if the Rockets were really interested in, in trying to commit to a, a foundational approach that's sustainable, you know, they, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have made the trade of Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. They, they would have traded Chris Paul for, for other, you know, expiring contracts, draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. But now you find yourself in this scenario where – you're committed to Harden and Westbrook financially, and it really limits what your possibilities are. So if, if you're the Rockets, you almost have no choice but to run it back and know what the outcome is going to be to a certain extent or to blow it up and, and take several steps back with no guarantee that you ever get back to even the point where you find yourselves currently. So it's going to be a very interesting you know, sort of uh, reclamation project for the Rockets. I'm very curious to see who they bring in to coach this team. Jeff Van Gundy's name is always floating around this job I find it incredibly difficult to believe that he would return to coaching uh, un- unless it was literally the perfect circumstances just given his broadcast career and-, and the time he spent away from the sidelines and you know the commitments involved et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. but I- I'll never rule anything out because I-, I-, I always remember going back in the day and saying everybody who wanted to connect Steve Nash to Lakers I said y'all are crazy it's never going to happen stop talking about it this that and the other and sure enough, right around July 4th, maybe even on July 4th, it was Steve Nash to the Lakers. Now, obviously, that didn't work out as we all <laughs> uh, wanted it to, but, you know, crazier things have happened. And and I don't even have to ask you, JC, who, who, who you think that the Lakers are going to play in the next round because you're talking about the Clippers and saying it's going to be the Clippers. Am I right there? Yeah, I mean, it's really surprising that this game is going to go seven. This series is going to go seven games, and Denver keeps coming back from huge deficits. And this game... They didn't just come back from a huge deficit and barely win the game. They came back from a huge deficit and beat the Clippers down. Um, so that's really surprising to see. And Denver in the seeding games was kind of one of the teams I was worried about just because of their length. Although, uh-huh. you know, at the same time, this Lakers team has proven how versatile they can be, and they've got plenty of length that they just didn't need in this Rocket series. So, I mean, if it's Denver, I'm not too worried there. If it's the Clippers, you've got a whole other host of concerns. Um you know, Kawhi Leonard, obviously, Paul George, he's he's on and off in the playoffs as he sometimes tends to be. But if he's going to be on in that series, that's going to be trouble. Patrick Beverly could, you know, could be a nuisance. Um, Patrick you know, Beverly did the Clippers no favors 
in game six by fouling out with basically the entire fourth quarter to go. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the one thing that is he's sort of a poor man's dream on green and that he's even more of a hothead, if that's even possible, and he can't control it as well, which is crazy for me to say because I think Draymond Green is insane. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it'd be an interesting series to see. No doubt. And, and I think, you know, if you're looking at it from the Lakers perspective, I, or really anyone who's, who's on the Lakers side, we'll call it, I think Denver is probably the preferable matchup, right? Because there's quote unquote less superstar power, but they have played extraordinarily well. And what I will say is that, you know, sort of regard, regardless is it, it's going to be a good team. The Lakers face. Just one quick note on this game six with the Nuggets and Clippers. That as you said, they didn't just come back; they came back and pounded them. JC, they they outscored them in the second half, 64 to 35. I mean, that's that is a tape measure job in terms of lockdown defense and in terms of really really good offense. And I think, you know, it's game seven is going to be a telling one because it's now two straight games where the Clippers have gotten out to these leads and have not had the ability, unfortunately, for them to be able to put it away in any form or fashion. And that's why they find themselves in game seven. But if you're going to let, you know, sort of um, Jokic do whatever he wants out there, more or less, I mean, 34 and 14 was seven dimes in the game six win. And I think that, that people have really, really underestimated the impact of Gary Harris because that's a player who, you know, they didn't have when the playoffs first started and they fell in that hole to Utah. But then they got him back and, and it really changed the nature of their team. He's such an excellent perimeter defender. And the thing that scares me about the Nuggets, just to, to take the other side of this, because we sort of know some of the more obvious things about the Clippers, right? I mean, you got Kawhi, you got PG, you got Lou Will. I mean, they're a very good team. One of the things that I worry about the Nuggets is that, yes, Jokic is worth worrying about. And yes, Jamal Murray can be a, a great player on any given night. But guys like Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, even Gary Harris, I mean, these are all guys who can, if you, you could turn around and they've got 20 points and all of a sudden you go, what's going on here? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they don't just do it the same predictable way kind of Houston did. They've got more variety on their in their offensive scheme. Yeah, exa- exactly. They have they – have, they, and at, unlike the Rockets in that way that can really only play one way, the Nuggets can play in, in a myriad of ways. So no matter who the Lakers wind up facing, you know, it, it's going to be a tough series. That said, I'd much rather play Denver than the Clippers, right? Like that's <laughs> that's that's obviously the goal here. So – I think everybody who's a Lakers fan listening to this podcast and otherwise is rooting for Denver in, in Game 7. And do we know, is conference finals will start on Thursday regardless now as a result of this Game 7? Is that the deal? Um, I'd imagine so. Yeah, because I, I, so, I don't right? th- Because they're not going to give them not even 24 hours to turn around and start the Western Conference Finals. Right, yeah. Okay, so the Lakers are going to have, like you said, they're going to have some extended time off. There's good and bad in that, depending upon what perspective you want to look at it from. And I think for the Lakers, as they move forward, you know, they have to be prepared for either scenario. I do want to come back to this Marquise Morris piece, because you and I both agree that he needs to keep his role and, you know, continue to play the minutes he's been playing. To me, I don't see that how that happens with both Dwight and JaVale also resuming rotation minutes. Now, obviously, we got to see both of them as well as Jared Dudley and Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, we even saw Taylor Horton Tucker in the first half last night. <laughs> Give me more of that, please, uh, in, in this what became, you know, sort of a, a, laugh, a, laugh, a laugher at the end of uh, the fourth quarter. But I just don't see that there's enough minutes, especially with Anthony Davis playing more inside, for all three of those guys to play and AD to get those minutes at center. So where does it come from? Um, 
I mean, it probably comes from maybe a big lineup in which you've you've got Rondo and LeBron as the backcourt, and maybe Anthony Davis as a small forward, and then then you can insert Markeith and a big, whether it be JaVale or Dwight, if you need it. Um, against the Clippers, you probably only need a big to match up whenever Zubats or Joe Kim Noah are going to be in there. So that's really kind of what to look for, is they've kind of they sort of have to adjust the Clippers in that sense because of all the centers in this series, um, weirdly enough, Zubats is probably the most dangerous one. Definitely, and he's been playing well. And I still, you know, at the time the Lakers made that trade, I said, okay, maybe they're trying to get a look at Muscala as, you know, sort of a stretch five type of deal before he hits free agency. Okay, maybe they're not planning to re-sign Zubats. Okay, fine. As soon as I wrote that and shared that publicly, I said, and eh, it might have been more of a thought than a tweet. JC, I could not be more regretful about sharing that publicly and having that on the record because that that was probably one of the worst trades I've ever seen. Regardless, yeah. Lakers are. Yeah, I didn't like it when it happened. I, I thought he was playing really good. I thought he. I thought Le, LeBron's embracing of, of younger players is is kind of both surprising and refreshing to see his sort of thought process evolving in in how he's like he he you know he obviously doesn't want an entire team of really young guys. But he's really taking to, like, Caruso and THT. Um, Giannis' little brother, I forget which one is on the Lakers team. Uh, I think it's Costas. Cost, Costas, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and Zubats when he was there. And so, yeah, I, I, I like that evolution and that sort of future. And, and Kuzma, obviously. I like that sort of evolution and, and future possibility with those young guys and an older LeBron two, three years down the line. I think LeBron really likes the young guys who aren't afraid of the moment too, who have who can step up and have that confidence. We saw a little bit of that from from Zubats. Obviously, it wasn't the same scenario in terms of playoffs, but in the regular season when when the two of them were on the floor together. And I think when you when you look at uh, now with Caruso and THT, who obviously THT is 19, Caruso is significantly older than that. But some of these guys who don't have the the name value or don't have the the same resume. You know, I think that's what LeBron really looks for. And that's something that with THT that I've really enjoyed watching is that he's just not afraid to take the three. He's not afraid to make the aggressive move to the basket. And, you know, he's, he's showing that he belongs. The Lakers are, are really high on him, and I think rightfully so. And honestly, if it's, if it's a question of should we put in Dion JR or, or THT, I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer, and it's THT every time. Yeah, they're, they're really embracing him. I like the one report I heard where the Lakers were telling him go out like, Go out and make a mistake. We've got your back. Like just play exactly. hard. And that, and that's the that's what the message you know really should be for for younger players who don't haven't you know really established their footing yet, but are getting that opportunity because otherwise it's so hard to not go out there and you know every shot that misses or every mistake you make you sort of look over your shoulder and go, Ooh, are they going to pull me for that? You know you want to feel supported, JC. And while we're on this topic of feeling supported, you know I've been. Uh, hot and heavy in the dating world not really that's an oversell but i've been out back out in the dating world to the greatest extent possible in this covid climate and you talk about feeling supported manscaped has just got me and then some my man these boxer briefs that they just came out mm, the manscaped boxer briefs they have this optimal temperature control with the crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported okay it, it's like having a mini ac on the go i don't even know how else to explain it the waistband, super elastic, so you don't have to worry about all that rubbing that you got down there, if that's what you sort of thing. And when your girl sees it, whether it's somebody you want to date with, you know, just casually, or your girl is in a more serious situation, 
she knows she's got a real manly manscape man so if you pair the boxer briefs with the ph balancing liquid products which you already know all about because we talk about them here like the crop preserver and you're, you're ready for just about anything so you need to try it yourself if you haven't already jc and anyone else who's out there listening you already know what you got to do 20 percent off and free shipping with the code hoopball at manscape.com hoopball 20 at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping and manscape.com use the code hoopball 20 all capitals on hoopball jc these boxers are they're legit man <laughs> i believe it they feel they feel nice on your junk and that's really what we uh what we hope for in the best way possible you know so i like that they're supporting taylor horton tucker I like that they're able to really get out there and, you know, use him as, as, as a weapon, for lack of a better way to say it, and explore their depth a little bit more. I am curious about the two-center thing because I do think Marquise deserves to play. Uh, I do think they will go back to the traditional starting five, sort of regardless of the opposition, given it's going to be either Zubats or Jokic who lines up at the five. And I think if it winds up being the Nuggets, even in that scenario, because they're obviously, you know, they got uh, Jokic and Millsap in that starting five, I, I still think that, you know, it, it should be, more Mark Keefe and JaVale or Dwight, but I don't think it can be all three of them if Anthony Davis is going to play the center minutes that we all expect him to. So it should be really interesting to match up. If you had to be a betting man, JC, and you had to say, all right, it's going to be Lakers versus this team in the Western Conference Finals, are you ready to stick by the Clippers even though they blew back-to-back double-digit leads in games five and six? Yeah, I just I feel like it's it's what we've all been wanting to see all season long. I think I think ultimately they top to bottom they're the better team in this series uh, against Denver. I just I I don't see how they can lose to the Nuggets. I, but at the same time, I didn't see the Nuggets going going this far. I don't think anyone did except maybe you know sort of. Jamal Murray or Michael Malone and Nick, Nikola Jokic. And I, I want to talk a little, just really briefly about Michael Malone because I just had this thought watching this team earlier today and said, man, it feels like the Nuggets have really sort of taken on the persona, the resiliency, the spirit of Michael Malone. I mean, I don't know that there is a better coach fit in this league in terms of the type of team that he has and the type of coach that he is. Obviously, we know it wasn't D'Antoni given he just walked away from the situation. But I feel like the Nuggets, who they are as a team, their identity, their personality, and who Michael Malone is as a coach, as a man, all of that, it just meshes incredibly well. So I think it just sort of boosts their chemistry that much more. Of course, you can make that argument for a number of coaches, not to mention Doc Rivers, of course, who's lining up on the other side of Malone right now. But I just had this thought about Malone, and I wanted to share it with everybody. So we shall see who the Lakers ultimately wind up pairing up against. And I feel like no matter what, we're going to need to see the same amount of Markeith Morris. I do like that we're seeing a little bit more Caruso than Rondo when Rondo has not proven to be as effective. I don't mind Rondo playing 30 minutes if he's going to have the type of game he had earlier in the series against Houston, but I don't want to see Rondo playing 30 minutes just for the sake of 30 minutes. If Caruso is being more effective out there, if you could find some good uh, lineups, throw in THT from time to time. Kuzma's been playing a little bit more steadily. I, I think that the Lakers need to continue to be uh, fluid and a little bit flexible in terms of uh, rotations, but also I think that they are playing with a swagger and confidence right now that they may not have been earlier in the bubble because the execution has been there, and they're seeing the ball go in from distance in particular. I mean, on a night where when you have Markeith Morris, Danny Green, and Contavis Caldwell-Pope combining for 10 three-pointers, not to mention with Kuzma with three off the bench, you're probably looking at a pretty good night if you're the Lakers. 
Yeah, Kuzma especially. I even tweeted he made his first his first shot was a three, and so I predicted that he was going to have a big night. And sure enough, he had twenty points on the night. Rondo, the the next series, no matter who the opponent is, it sort of needs, needs to be a replication of this series in that Rondo had two really great games. Kuzma had a couple of really great games. Caruso had one really great game and one huge shot at the end. I think it needs to be sort of a mismatch, uh, mishmash of of that, where different guys are going to contribute hugely on one specific night or two specific nights, and then be consistent the rest of the time. No doubt about it. You love to see LeBron going eight of ten from the line as well, with a near triple double, twenty nine. 11 and 7 in just 31 minutes of action. Anthony Davis actually played the most out of any Laker in last night's game, which was a little surprising, but nobody seemingly overtaxed. Everybody got a little bit of rest at the end, and the Lakers sit comfortably as they prepare for the Western Conference Finals. Is there any Western Conference, when you look at the Lakers and the placement in the next round before we wrap it up, JC, and you you look at the what lies ahead or what could lie ahead and say, man, I bet this Laker is going to have a really big series or this Laker should take advantage of his matchup opportunity because I know how you love those prop bets after all. Yeah, and prop bets you can take advantage of at mybookie.ag with the promo code HOOPBALL. They'll match your deposit. And football season has started. You can also start making those uh, weekly football uh, parlay bets like I tend to do and lose a lot on. Um, but our HOOPBALL gaming <laughs> podcast uh, should should help you out there. They, they help me out a lot too. Um, but yeah, in the next series, uh, I, I think we talked about how the the layoff can be kind of concerning because they've lost both game ones up to this point. But and it was surprising that Anthony Davis did play the most minutes because he in game four he he sort of he he bumped hips with someone and it seemed to be really painful for him. And uh, Hoop Balzerion Dan Bespris pointed out on Twitter that uh, Anthony Davis was moving kind of gingerly in last night's game. And I told him not to put that. Uh, put that uh junk out there but uh but you know it, he did seem to be moving a little slowly and he wasn't put, playing as aggressively and so yeah i was hoping it was going to be like a 24 minute night for him or something like that and to him to see him play the most minutes is kind of both concerning and at the same time not concerning because if he was really that hurt he wouldn't have played that many minutes but he he should benefit greatly from the extra time off regardless of how rusty they might be when they come back. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword, this extra layoff. Um, it seems like he needs it. I don't know if the rest of the team really does, but, yeah, that's uh, one thing to look forward to. I, I, I bet on him to have a really great series next series. No doubt, and I took a little bit of notice about that too. So hopefully the, the extra time does him does give him some time to go, and you don't even have to ask about the my bookie payout because I was talking with – my buddy at, over at Vitamin Shop uh, yesterday, and he, he was very, very happy to collect on his uh, free money as a result of that Chiefs game that we, we were talking about uh, recently, JC, with that plus 50 bump spread. So not that the Chiefs even needed it. They were dominant. But free money is what they give away over there, so we always like that. It can fuel your prop bet gaming addictions. And when it comes to parlay, JC, I feel you just on a quick gambling note because they're so inviting, man. It feels like it's, oh, you just got to click this, click that you got to make it happen, and it's always, to me, it always goes one of two ways. There's the rare ones where you win, and, you, of course, you celebrate, but more frequently, you got one of two outcomes. You say, well, this was blown up from the onset, basically. Like, you, your first team is down two touchdowns, and it was a favorite going in type of parlay. Or you got some crazy 6-17 parlay, and you all five or six, the first five or six hit, and then that seventh one, 
just goes completely awry. So they are inviting, and I'll probably continue to take advantage of them, but I feel you. There, there's a reason that gambling doesn't go out of business. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> As a reminder to our listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallLakers. You'll never miss a show. We are available wherever you stream your podcasts and all other streaming content from. Subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends, tell your loved ones. We appreciate all the publicity. At Hoopball Lakers is the show. You can find us on Twitter. JC is at JC DeLeon1. I am at Ethan underscore Noroff, N O R O F. And until next time, when we find out the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals against, we will be back with you. Until then, be good, stay well, and we out. This has been a Hoopball presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.